So a couple of weekends ago, Dan, my husband, and our two girls went on a trip to London to the theatre to watch Mary Poppins. It was amazing. And we have some family members that run some large events venues in London. And they said to us, would you like to park at one of our events in central London to save you on London parking charges? I was like, yes, amen, because that will save about £100 with London parking. So I was like, brilliant. So they instructed us that when we arrive at the venue, we are to say their name on arrival, and they would give us access to the venue. So we turn up at this large venue, and it's highly secured, great big gates, and there's a little... Um, office on the side with all the security guards in and milling around the venue are people in high-vis jackets you know the vests high-vis who knows when you've got a high-vis on you have the entry to the whole world they are in charge and we pull up in our car and these luminous yellow vests are there and they're like mm. start looking at us they start milling around the car one guy starts to open the boot of the car to give us the search as you do and sort of Dan put the window down and he leaned over to the security guard who looked very very angry he's looking like why are you turning up in the middle of the day to this venue that opens at night and he's looking at us and as soon as Dan said our family member's name his face changes oh yes we've been expecting you yes you have access he called off all the high-vis jackets they stepped back and then suddenly we were treated like royalty and the gates went up and we had access into the venue. And they couldn't do enough for us. Do you know where you're parking? Do you know where you need to go? We've called down your family member. They're coming to see you. Are you okay? But it's because our family member's name carried authority and it carried power. And it gave us access. And this morning, church, I want to talk about the name of Jesus. The most powerful name of Jesus that gives us access. His name is higher than every other name. His name is powerful than every other name. His name brings healing and deliverance and breakthrough and change. He is our salvation. There's no other name greater than the name of Jesus. And I want to stir you up with the power in his name. And it's the power that you carry. And it's the power that gives you access because you are his bride, his church. In Philippians 2 verses 9 to 11 it says, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His name is above all names, and one day every knee will bow and every tongue will acknowledge and confess that Jesus is Lord. But we carry his name. There's power in the name of Jesus. And so this morning, to start us off, I want you to praise God and give a great big shout of praise if Jesus has ever done anything for you in your life, if he's ever brought breakthrough in your life, if you've received his salvation, can we give Jesus all the glory and all praise this morning? So after three, church, come on. One, two, three. Jesus! Come on. Amen. That's it. Come on. This is good. So I want to look at a story in the Bible today of an unnamed man who encountered the powerful name of Jesus and it changed his life forever. So you have one unnamed man and then you have the name of Jesus. And to set the scene of this story, I need to take you back a little bit. We're going back to the old school. I just couldn't resist doing that this morning. <sighs> 
You got me I.O., didn't you? But we're going back to the birth of the church. So Jesus has died. He's rose again. He's ascended to heaven. And the church has been birthed at the moment of Pentecost. And the disciples and all those who were gathered were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they went out and became the church. They preached the word of God and people got saved. Things were happening. They devoted themselves to the church. And so here we have the fiery church going out of the building. And there's two of the disciples. There's Peter and there's John. And they represent the church. And they're going about their business one day. And this is the start of our story. And so I want to remind you of these two very, very different men who were two of the 12. So you've got Peter. You see, he's the fiery, zealous disciple. Do you remember when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane? Peter was the one who went up to the security guard in his high-vis jacket and he lobbed off his ear and said, no, you're not taking my saviour. And straight away, what did Jesus do? He healed the man's ear. But that's Peter, the bold one. The one who said, call me Jesus on the sea and I will walk out on the water to you. He had some fire and some passion in his belly. He also had um, an issue of saying the wrong thing a lot of the time. We can relate to Peter, can't we? But he's the fiery one. And then you've got John. You've got Peter one end of the scale and then you've got John the other end of the scale. And there's John who is the disciple that Jesus loved. He's the compassionate one. He's the one that when they gathered around the table for a meal, he'd be snuggled up on the chest of Jesus. He was compassionate. John, the lover. Peter, the fiery one. So two very different men representing the church, and they're going about their daily business. Does that sound familiar, church? Because when we look around in the church, we're all different. But our passion and our zeal is for the same thing, the name of Jesus. And so these two men are going about their business. And do you know what they're actually doing at the start of this story? They're going to church. They're together going to church. Very different. They probably wouldn't be in each other's lives if it hadn't been for Jesus calling them. But together, their collaboration brings power and breakthrough. That together, something happens when the church stands up. Together, the miracle is released when we get about the Father's business. And so here they are on a very ordinary day, and they're heading to church. They're going to the 3 p.m. prayer meeting. Come on, boys, get in there. But they're on their way to church, doing the normal thing that they would do, going up to the temple to go and worship and praise God, and something happens. An interruption happens. And we're going to pick this story up in Acts 3, verses 1 to 3. So one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. See, they're about to go to church. They've got their Sunday best on. They're ready to go and pray. But an interruption happened. It was a divine interruption. You see, God wanted to get their attention because he wanted to do something different on this ordinary day. You see, they're about the routine. They're about going to church, about going to serve and worship God. But God wanted to do something outside of the walls of the church in order to bring his name glorified in that moment. And it was a divine interruption. Now, I don't know about you, but in my life, I know God always gives me divine interruptions. You see, we can be about the routine, we can be about our order, we can be about what we're knowing we're going to do in our business that day, and yet an interruption comes along. 
And the Holy Spirit stirs something up within us and says, no, no, I need to interrupt this. Because there's going to be some more glory that's going to come out of this situation when we don't just go by the book and by the routine and in the ordinary. Because actually I want to bring extraordinary into your ordinary every day to bring about the miracle and bring about salvation in my house. So we need to get used to divine interruptions. 2020 interrupted everybody's life. But I believe God got a lot of divine glory out of that interruption because so many people who are Christians got so much more closer to Jesus and they made their faith really real and all the other stuff that went along with that. But don't worry about interruptions because God is up to something to change a situation. And so as this text tells us that there was this unnamed man, a lame man, he sat by the temple gate outside the church by the gate beautiful. And as we read further in Acts, he's been there for about 40 years. He was lame from birth. So his ordinary everyday life would be that somebody would pick him up, they'd put him outside the steps of the temple, they'd leave him there for the day, and he would beg for money and for food. He had no income, there was no welfare, there was no government support. He had to sit and beg, and he'd done this for 40 years. He's never walked, he's never been able to earn a living. He would speak to the same people day in, day out. He'd have the same routine day in, day out. He'd probably have the same food day in, day out. He'd be begging for money. Please, has anyone got mercy on me? Please, can I have something? He was just that lame man that everybody knew and everybody passed. And he sat by the temple gate on an ordinary day, completely and utterly stuck. Stuck in his routine, stuck in his norm. There was no hope for this man because that's what he was, a lame man. Anyone got any food? Anyone got any mercy on me? Please, can I have some money? I'm just here. Can anyone see me in my stuck position, in my lameness? But our story takes us to an amazing place because this unnamed man would encounter the name of Jesus and it would change his life forever. But have you ever been completely stuck and you can't do anything about it? You see, in the natural, this happened to me on many occasions. I used to work in London, and for 11 years, I'd travel up and down from Colchester to London on the train. And I tell you, I could write a book about my train journeys. There were so many. And actually, I'm going to tell you a couple today, and you'll think she's exaggerating, but I'm really not. These actually really happened. And so often, I'd have to ring ahead to my work. I'm late again because I'm stuck on the train. Or coming home, cancel dinner, cancel the meeting, I'm stuck on the train. And I'm in that position where you literally do not know how long you're going to be stuck on that train for until rescue comes. And I remember one story, and funny enough, I think Pete Brandes was actually on the train with me this day. But we, it was middle of summer, boiling hot day, and the train was coming out of London home. And the overhead cables melted onto the top of the train because it was so hot in England. It's probably about 20 degrees, <laughs> so, something like that. No, I, th I think it was a bit hotter than that, you know. But anyway, so we came outside and we were between stations, probably around Romford area, and the train just came to a halt and we were stuck. It was boiling hot. We had no water and we were literally stuck on the train. So you wait for the announcement, don't you? And why is it on the train the announcement is always so like, ladies and gentlemen, we are home, something, and you're just like, I can't even hear what you're saying. It's like, can you speak in English, please? It's like, I can't understand, you're all trying to listen in. So we're stuck and they kept giving announcements, we're, we're just waiting here, we've got an issue with the train, hour after hour, and it was just boiling hot, you're trying to wedge open the windows. But in the end, we're literally on there about five hours, and we had to then clamber down 
off the train and you realise how high the train is. When you get on at the platform, you don't realise you've then got quite a few metres down on the track. So all the men are lifting all the ladies off the train and everybody's like handing out bottles of water, sharing what supplies we'd got and everything because it was just like we're so hot, people were fainting. It was just like, I was like, Sylvester Stallone's going to turn up. It's one of them like disaster movies or Arnie or someone in a minute, but they didn't. But anyway, we got out on this field. I remember ringing Dan. And I'm like, he's like, where are you? I'm like, I don't, don't know. I'm in a field somewhere outside London. And then long story short, we had to wait until they turned off the power lines and we had to cross the track to the other side and then they managed to get a train out. But that's one of my stories being completely stuck. But I couldn't do anything about it. You had to just go with it. You had to just go with it. And one morning as well, this was one of my favourites, going into London very early on the train. And there was one track in to London and that was it and there was a train at the platform in front of us and it wasn't moving I'm thinking that should have gone by now so we're all sat waiting to go off to work it didn't move didn't move the annoying announcement came and said the train's broken down but we need to get the rescue train to move it away so that your train can go so 10 minutes later we sat there and they said oh we're really sorry ladies and gentlemen we're not going to move the train yet because and this is the truth I'm in church the first-class passengers would like to finish their breakfast on the train in front of you, and therefore we can't move the train until they've finished their breakfast, so we'll be another half an hour. So I had to phone up work with that one. I mean, it's like, dog ate my homework, you know, can't come in. And then it's like, yeah, first-class passengers. So they just loved that at work, but that was the truth of my train journeys. But in the end, you can get frustrated in that place, or you can think there's got to be some hope that I'm going to get unstuck. And eventually, I got unstuck from all those train journeys. But this lame man was completely and utterly stuck. And maybe there's a situation in your life that you feel stuck in. Maybe it's a disappointment and you just cannot get out of that disappointment and you're stuck there. Maybe there's some hurt. Maybe there's decision making. You're like, do I go there? Do I go there? Do I go there? Do I go there? So you just remain stuck. Maybe it's a relationship that you're stuck in and you want to get unstuck from it. Maybe you're waiting on the healing and you feel stuck until you get that healing. I'm sure we can all relate to a place of being stuck. But I have good news for you, church. Jesus loves to get people unstuck. He loves to free people because his name is above every other name. And his name is healer. And his name is deliverer. And his name is breakthrough. And his name is salvation. And his name is restoration. And his name is redeemer because it's the all-powerful, unmatchless name of Jesus. Amen. So here he is, the unnamed man, stuck in his lameness, doing what he always did on this particular day. Have you got any money? Has anyone got any money? Can I have some help? Hey, I'm down here. I wonder if he had a pot. I always like to look into the story in the Bible. I wonder if he had a begging bowl. I wonder if he just had a mat out. I wonder if he'd written a sign. Please, can you fund me? Can I have some money? And on this ordinary day, something happened in Acts 3, and four, uh, Acts 3, verses 4 to 5. As Peter and John, on their way to that prayer meeting, they saw this man and they looked at him. You see, there was John and he looked at him with a heart of compassion. John the lover. John the caring one. And there was Peter. And he looked on him and something fiery stirred up within Peter. There was a boldness that stirred up within him. There was an indignantness that stirred up within him. I need to change this situation. Jesus can do something about this. Something stirred up in this aspect of the church, of representation through John and through Peter. They wanted to see 
this lame man become unstuck. So in Acts 3 verses 4 to 5, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. You see, normally this man would have been very much used to people not making eye contact. That there's the beggar, but we just won't look, so then we don't have to do something about the situation. We can just carry on walking past, so we'd avoid eye contact. But Peter and John looked directly into the eyes of this man. They stirred something up within them. And something was about to change because the man had an expectation to receive. You see, I wonder if that begging bowl then went up. Well, somebody's actually looking at me. I'm in here. I'm ready. And the bowl went up and and he looked at them. You see, there's an expectation in the heart of this lame man on an ordinary day. And my question for you, church, this morning is is, is there an expectation in your heart? Have you come to church this morning with the same knowledge of how you came last week, of how it's going to pan out, what's going to happen on an ordinary Sunday morning? Do you come here expecting exactly what church is going to look like? Or do you come with an expectation in your heart that as you meet in this house with the Holy Spirit, that something's going to change in your life? That actually as you come into the presence of God, almighty God, that something will change in your situation. That you can expect God to do something, that he can move in your unmovable situation this morning because he is God. Have you come with the expectation that today could be the day that I receive my healing? Because I hope you have. Because I think as God's people and as his church, we need to get expectant for more. We need to believe for the more. You see, because the end of my Bible says that all the miracles that Jesus did cannot be recorded in the book. And it says, and greater things you will do than I did because I'm going to the Father. You see, the Son has gone to the Father and he's released to us the Holy Spirit. So therefore, church, we need to go out. We need to bring change. We carry his name. We carry the name of Jesus that heals, delivers, and sets free. We carry his name. And I want to encourage you this morning to get expectant. If you're stuck today, if you have a need, if your heart is broken, if you need a miracle, are you expectant? Because here we are in the presence of God and anything can happen. All things are possible. And just as Peter and John's eyes met with the lame man, Our Father's eyes meet with you this morning. He's looking at you. He sees you. He sees you this morning. He sees your situation. He knows all that's going on. He knows everything in your mind. He knows it all. He looks at you this morning. He says, look into my eyes and look to me for your breakthrough this morning. The interruption got the disciples' attention and they were moved. We see something stirred up in that heart of Peter. He was prompted by the Holy Spirit. Because remember, they'd received the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit prompted him and said, no, no, don't get to the 3 p.m. prayer meeting yet. There's something you need to do now. You need to wait. You need to hear. You need to be instructed by me. And something's going to happen and power is going to be released. God gave Peter the supernatural ability to trust him in this situation. Because this would be the first miracle. You see, they'd seen Jesus do all the miracles, but they hadn't seen Jesus used the power of the Holy Spirit through ordinary men and women like you and I to bring about the miracle. Something was about to happen. And I believe something stirred up in the heart of Peter that he got a memory back. He thought, do you know what? I remember training camp. I remember when Jesus called us together as the 12 and he told us what we need to do. And it's found in Luke 9 verses 1 to 2. When Jesus had called the 12 together, 
He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And then he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. You see, that was the mandate on them. That you, my disciples, you need to go and drive out demons. You need to go and heal diseases. You need to go and see the sick set free. I'm giving you my name. There's power in my name. You have my name. You don't do it in your name or your ability. It's in my name. And you've got my name. And it's time to use my name. It's time to name drop, Peter. It's time to name drop the most powerful, unmatchable name of Jesus. And so in his boldness, there's John, the compassionate one, the lover, like something's got to change in this man's situation. And there's Peter with his boldness. He's like, right, I'm doing it now. We've all been there, haven't we? We've got that power within us. We know we've got to do it. We know we've got to say it. We know we've got to pray it. We know we've got to prophesy it. And we need to do it. And we're just like, I'm going to do it now. He spoke and something changed. In Acts 3, verse 6, then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. With the stirring of the power of the Holy Spirit, he had authority and power because the name of Jesus is all glory, all power, and all authority. And in his boldness, he reached out. I don't know how he did it. Did he touch the man? Did he just look at the man? But he said, in the name of Jesus, walk. There's power in the name of Jesus. I want to stir you with the power of the name of Jesus this morning. He's the healer, the deliverer, the all-powerful one, the heart mender, the restorer, the power in the name of Jesus. Our salvation is found in the name of Jesus. As I studied the word, what I love about the word is there's always stories behind the stories. There's always the text you don't read, but you have to build the picture of the story. As I researched it, I remembered about Gate Beautiful. I'm like, I've heard that before. And the gate that's named Beautiful was a gate in the city of Jerusalem. And it's the gate where Jesus rode in on the donkey on Palm Sunday. And he rode in there on there before he would be crucified. And as he rode in on that gate, it made me think, so this man, this lame man, this unnamed man, has been at the gate for 40 years. So in fact, Jesus would have come past on the donkey that day and the lame man would have been there. Jesus would have been about his ministry when he had his ministry for those three years on earth and that lame man would have been there all the time, yet Jesus didn't heal him. And maybe there's a conversation at the time amongst the people where he's healed the blind man there and, and he's healed the lame man there and there was that guy who was lifted through the roof and he was healed, but this man hasn't been healed. But you know what? I felt stirred with the Holy Spirit of when I studied this. It's because Jesus was to give his church through Peter and John the opportunity to say the name of Jesus and see the miracle happen. And that would be the first miracle. You see, he saved that one for them. He said, yeah, I could do it, but I want to see if my church has got the guts and the boldness to speak my name and see the healing come. Because that was the first miracle that the disciples experienced, the new church experienced, the first miracle when they said the name of Jesus. And so that lame man as well, his story, well, there goes Jesus on the donkey and and there goes Jesus healing that one but what about me what about me I'm stuck yeah but not for long because I'm sending my church and we're the same church today we're the ones that are to be sent to go and see the blind healed and the lame walk and the dead raised you see this is what my bible says and this is not just words but this is the truth and we are the church I want to stir you up this morning that the Lord is looking for a company of believers that don't all look the same, 
that don't all act the same, but have the same heart because we love Jesus and we go out there to a world and see miraculous take place. And I love it that, in fact, this miracle was outside the walls of the church. What does that tell us, church? We've got to be bold like Peter, and we've got to be compassionate like John to see the miraculous come. And we're going to see that. Do you believe it with me this morning? Come on. Amen. Pastor Barry, be proud of the response this morning here, church. Come on. (laughs) You see, the lame man, he was expecting that morning gold and silver, or perhaps some bread. But he looked at them and said, have you got any money? But they said, silver and gold I do not have, but I have the name of Jesus. You see, silver and gold would have been a temporary solution. It would have probably lasted for a couple of days and he'd need more silver and gold. But the permanent solution was to heal his legs so that he would become not lame anymore and be able to walk and have a completely different life. You see, God is not about the temporary, let's stick a plaster over it, there, there. He's about the permanent solutions to get people freed and healed and moved on in their life. He's the one that gets you un stuck. So Peter then went about helping the man up in Acts 3 verse 7. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. You see, it's one thing to say in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. But it's another thing to be so presumptuous to grab the man's hand and say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And you're completely reliant on God in that moment because you pull him up. I mean, lame from birth, he's never walked. You know, you think of us who've had children. Your baby does not get up one day and say, right, mum, I'm off to the office. And they walk. It doesn't happen. You see, they crawl first. Then they start to pull themselves up on the furniture. Then they fall down about a million times. And they get their first steps. And they fall again. And then their legs get stronger. And the muscles are built. And they start to walk. But with this man instantly, 40 years of wasted muscles, 40 years of never standing on bones, instantly his ankles and his bones became strong and he walked. And Peter in that boldness like, get up and walk. And he surely did. But I think that's a wonderful picture of the cross. Because when we're in our lameness, when we are lost in our sin, when we are far away from God, Jesus stepped in and he reached out his hand and said, get up, get up. I'm giving you salvation today. Get up and walk and follow me so you can have relationship with the Father. When we're in our stuckness, he got us unstuck. He's the God of getting us unstuck. So Peter was full of faith. He reached out his hand. And in that moment, I bet there was some internal prayer going on, wasn't there? In that moment, Lord Jesus, come on, you've got to come through now. Everyone's watching. It's that moment. But he got up. Let's read it in Acts 3, verses 8 to 10. So the lame man, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them to the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. See, he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And then he didn't only just walk. I mean, you think, you know when you've hurt your ankle or you hurt your knee and you sort of very tentatively put your foot back on it again, you wouldn't go start running up and down, would you? But this guy did because he knew instantly he'd been healed. So he jumped and he praised God and he ran around. I bet he did some laps of the temple court. He ran around that gate, beautiful. He's like, I can walk, I can run, and I'm praising God. And the three things that we can pick out of that verse that he did, I think, are very significant. So it says, he went with them. 
So he'd received his miracle, and where did he go? He went to church. He went to the house of God. And then he used what God had given him. God had given him the ability to walk. He could not walk for 40 years. And then he used what he did, but he didn't just walk and what he'd been given. He jumped, and he ran, and he praised God, and he made a right old scene so that people were amazed and had a wonder. They're like, isn't that the lame guy? Isn't that, you know, what's his face? You know, he hasn't even got a name. That one who sits outside begging. And now he's doing laps of the temple. There he is, jumping and praising God, and then he worshipped. He worshipped because all glory didn't go to Peter and John. It wasn't like, you guys. No, no, Jesus. Straight up there, it's you. All glory, all power, you're the one name above all names. They gave the glory to Jesus. And people were amazed. The people were filled with wonder and amazement because this was a miracle. This was the first miracle. And again, imagine what the conversation would have been inside church. I mean, we know Jesus, you know, he did all those miracles, didn't he? Do you remember? Blind eyes, lame people, issues of blood. He just healed the lot. You know, that's Jesus. But, but what about these? And they questioned them. And what did Peter do? He didn't say, well, you know, I'm the man. No, no, no. He said, yeah. This is because of Jesus Christ who died and rose again and now has been ascended to heaven. And because he's ascended to heaven, he's with the Father. We're hearing what the Father says, who's given us the power through the Holy Spirit, through the name of Jesus, in order to bring about the miracle, all glory back to Jesus. It's all about him. And people were amazed and they saw the power of God. Don't we want to be part of the church, the global church? that releases the miraculous power of Jesus into a lost and dying world that needs to see something different, something authentic, something genuine. He has the power to get people unstuck. But today, are you stuck? Would you say there's an area of your life where you do feel stuck? You haven't got the physicalness of, of lameness, but there's something stuck maybe in your mind, maybe in a situation you're going through. Maybe in that family situation, you know, there's stuff. I mean, we're in life. Things happen to us, don't they? Maybe there's an area of your life where you feel stuck. If Rachel could come play keys for me, that would be great. Maybe there's a place that you feel stuck in. Maybe there's somewhere you just feel like, yeah, I need the name of Jesus over that situation. Yeah, I've got this going on. I've got that health issue going on. I've got that need going on. I've got that stuff going on in my mind. I just don't know how to think straight anymore. And you need the power of Jesus to get you unstuck. Whatever it is, whatever comes to mind, my prayer is now the Holy Spirit would highlight to you what it is. Or maybe it's not in your life, but it's in somebody else's life, somebody you love, and you can see that they're so stuck that they go around the same old mountains. They go through the same old situations. They go through the same old issues, and they cannot get unstuck. Maybe it is in a physical condition that you've been after healing year after year after year and you've still got that faith and you're standing on the word and you're believing, but it hasn't happened yet. Could it happen today? Does God want to do something today in your life? Where do you need to get unstuck? Maybe it's just in repetitive patterns. Maybe it's in that sin. Maybe it's in the thing you know that's holding you back and you say, I need the name of Jesus in this situation. Maybe it's an area of faith. You, you say, well, you say this, Sarah, and you're reading this, and this is in the word of God, but I don't know how to apply that into my life. Is that the truth of what God says? How do I believe him and step out in faith? If there's an area of your life where you need the power of Jesus to get you unstuck, I want to say this morning, church, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up.
it's time to get up. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, it's time to get up. You see, he's already paid the price. He's already made the way. And like Peter with that boldness, there's a hand reaching out to say, it's time to get up. It's time to get unstuck. It's time not to lay there anymore on that mat in the familiarness. It's time to be the change because God's got so much more for your life. But in that place of stuckness, he says, I want to get you unstuck. So for our online church, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us this week. And we so look forward to seeing you next week.